This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, uh, the title of tonight's message is uh, is going to be this. It's called Spoiler Alert. And, uh, and you know, if you, if you watch sports and stuff like that, you probably understand that, hey, uh, you don't want to know the the outcome of the of the game. You don't want to know the outcome of the fight of the battle until you get to see it yourself. And uh, you, sometimes someone may come and tell you, and maybe you've uh, you've been at church on a on Sunday. That's a good Christian would be. And uh, and 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 there's a big game on, and you've recorded it. But then some knucklehead comes and tells you the score. Has that happened to any of you brothers out there? We know it has. Yeah, I know it has. It's happened to me. Some of you have done it to me. But at the same time, you know, we're like, oh, man, I didn't want you spoiled it for me. I wanted to go see it for myself. Now, it's, it's, that, it's that way in sports. And, and I know this big movie came out last week. I'm not a movie guy, but the Avengers thing. And, uh, you know, nearly everybody in America saw it except for me. And, and I'm fine with that. But at the same time, uh, I saw people getting so angry over people telling them what happened in the movie. I mean, there's fights breaking out and death threats over this movie and stuff. And I'm like, dear God, man, get a life. But at the same time, you know, the way we are about about different things like that, there are times in the middle of the storms we face in this life where it would be really nice if somebody would spoil it for you and somebody would say, I know it seems bad right now, but I saw the end and here's what actually happens. And I'm telling you right now that I've read the end of this book. I've read the whole thing. I've read it all the way to the end. And you may be going through something right now, but I actually know what happens at the end. And I can tell you that tonight. Amen. We can. It's a little bit of a spoiler alert that maybe you're going through something right now or maybe everything's just peachy keen. Whatever the case is, I'm telling you, I've read to the end and I know how this thing ends. I know how your story ends. I know how your battle ends. And if you'll listen for a few minutes tonight, uh, we're going to show you some things out of God's word that they should excite you. They should build you up a little bit. They should get you going. They should light your fire a little bit tonight because God has good things in store for you. One of the most famous Bible verses that most Christians know Jeremiah 29:11 the Lord says for I know the plans I have for you their plans to give you a hope and a future they're good plans God has good plans for your life and and you need to realize that and uh, sometimes you know we're like well I, I know it says that but it doesn't seem like that right now just hang in there don't give up something good's going to happen if you'll fight the good fight of faith amen and so Let's go ahead and open up in prayer, and uh, we're going to look at some things tonight, but I promise you, this thing's going to end really, really good if you will not quit. Nothing but good's going to happen if you will not quit. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We thank you so much for your word. And God, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and pay the price for our sins, Lord, and he paved the way for success in our lives. And Lord, I pray tonight that as we open the word of God, that you're going to speak to us, Lord. You're going to encourage us. You're going to challenge us in different ways, God. And you're going to show us what we need to see and tell us what we need to hear, whether we like it or not, God. We thank you that that that, that tonight is going to be a life-changing night because of your word and because of your name. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody says. All right, so the first thing I'm going to tell you about this... <clears throat> 
about the spoiler alert is here's what happens at the end. Number one is this. We win. If we don't quit. Okay, I know you you were wondering there, well, well, who's going to win this thing? We win if we don't quit. Now, there's a lot of quitters out there and they're, well, I don't ever win. None. Well, you quit all the time. But people, if, if, listen to me. If you will stick with it and will not quit, you better know that God is on your side. And whatever it is that's coming against you, you win every single time. And, you know, that sounds like a pretty bold statement to make. That sounds like, a, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I wouldn't be so presumptive about that. I'm going to listen to me. I am going to be presumptive. I absolutely I'm going to be presumptive and I'm going to take it a step further to whatever that is. Uh, I'll guarantee a victory to the Christian that does not quit. I'm not just going to assume I'm going to win. I'm going to guarantee victory to the Christian that does not quit. You know, uh. And, 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 and I, I, I've told this, but it, I, I've got this, this wonderful uh, neighbor, nice guy, but, but he, not everybody sees the Bible the same way that all of us see it. And, and so he was complaining about, well, there's, you know, man, there's been break-ins in the neighborhood and so-and-so saw this happening and, you know, back there on this street, this happened. And he's telling me every bad thing that's ever happened in my neighborhood since 1952 because he's lived there that long. He built the house. He's old. And so he starts telling me all this stuff. And I'm like, well, praise God, brother. Good. He's a church man, different church. But, he, but I'm like, man, aren't you glad that we've got the angels of God surrounding our property? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And he goes, a lot of good that's doing. What? Serious? He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. I'm like, wow, man, just crawl back into your hole. I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to people that realize that we always triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. <laughs> and that the angels of God are there. And I will pe- be presumptive and I will absolutely guarantee victory to the person that is in Christ Jesus and will not quit. Let's look here at Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. Got a few. Well, we got a lot of good verses tonight. You came on a good night. You picked the right night to come. There's not a, there's not a wrong night, but man, this, there's a lot of good verses in here tonight. Revelation 12, verse 11. And I'm going to read this one in the King James. That's right. <laughs> As my dad says, that's what Paul preferred. That was nearly 1,200 years after, or no, 1,600 years after he died. But uh, Revelation 12, verse 11. And in the King James here, and it says this, and they overcame him. We're, we're at the end of the book here, guys. We're in the last, we're in the last book of the Bible here. And you're wondering, well, what actually happens with, with the fight against the devil? What happens with all this? I'll tell you what happens. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They overcame him. Did you see that part of it? That they overcame. It doesn't say, well, they ended up losing. It was a close one, though. It was a valiant effort. But in the end, the Christians lost. No, thank God it doesn't say that. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. And what that means is these these Christians, these people, they didn't love their lives so much that they were afraid to die for Christ. And I love that part of it. But they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. And so you can look at your story here and whatever it is that 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 is in your story, the chapters in your life. And and then the, people may be, well, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Oh, well, let's just flip to the last page here. And Jose overcame them and Lawrence overcame them. Alyssa overcame them by the blood of the lamb and the word of her testimony. 
That's what happened in the end. I'm sorry to spoil it for you, but she ended up winning. He ended up winning that thing and she overcame it. Amen. And so, you know, there, I, I love verses that have these concrete guaranteed words, shall, will, always. I, I man, I, I love verses that are so bold to absolutely concrete, no doubt about it, guarantee you something. And so look at this one, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Yeah, come on. You need to get excited. This is, this is, this is it. This is what happens in your life. You may not know right now, but I'm telling you, this is what happens in your life. And it may not look like it at the moment, but but we're looking at the very end. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. And again, I'll read this one in the, in the King James here. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who 50% of the time causes us to triumph in Christ. Oh, man. <laughs> man, we're, this, this, 75, I mean, 50% is good odds in this world. And I would, I would even be glad if it said 75% of the time, I will guarantee. But it says, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Always means every time. If something always happens, it happens every single time. Does the sun always rise? And then always sets later. Yeah, every time it happens 100% of the time. And this verse right here says, Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Hallelujah. That's good news right there. That no matter what it is I'm facing, I always triumph in Christ. Now notice there, the key words are in Christ. Because I know a lot of people, I would say, well, I know it says that, but believe me, I've had plenty of situations where I didn't triumph. And guess what? So have I. I've had plenty where I didn't win. But listen to me. Every single time that I didn't triumph, I can look back and I'll be honest. I'm not going to lie. Every time that I haven't won the victory, it's because I was doing it not in Christ. I was fighting that battle in Pastor Dave. I was fighting that battle in some other strength, but every single time that I didn't triumph, I cannot look at God and say, your word says that I would always triumph in Christ and it didn't happen for me. God would have to say, you're a liar. You fought that in your own strength, liar. Quit blaming me for it. That's your own fault. Every single time that I didn't triumph, it's because I was not in Christ. I I was doing it on my own. But I can tell you this much. Every single time that I have fought the battle in Christ, I have always triumphed 100% of the time, whether it be cancer, whether it be anything that I've fought in my life. Every single time I've won that battle in Christ Jesus every single time. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. There have been times... Where I've been in the situation and I, and, and I, and I wasn't trusting in the Lord with all my heart and leaning not into my own understanding. I was trusting in me with all my heart. Leaning to my own, absolutely leaning to my own understanding. Am I the only one? Or is any of you out there, you've been in the situation and you were leaning on your own understanding? Come on, be honest. You were, raise that hand, Sabrina, you know, come on. She didn't know. She was like, have I or have I not? You have. Because we all have. Listen to me. There have all, we've all had those times where yes, if we were to look back and we were to be honest, 
we couldn't say, well, Lord, I trusted in you with all my heart. I didn't lean to my own understanding, and then, and then it failed. If you were to be honest with yourself, you would be able to say, you know what, I was leaning to my own understanding on that. And I wasn't trusting the Lord with all my heart. I was maybe a little trusting with my mind a little bit or something, but I wasn't trusting in the Lord with all my heart. And I'm going to tell you, these verses are true. If he said you always triumph in Christ Jesus, you will. If it says you overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, you will. But it's got to be in Christ. And it cannot be according to your own understanding. You have to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Who wants a couple more of these good verses? Who wants some fire? All right. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's, let's go here. Romans 8. And, uh, man, I love Romans chapter 8. I spent, I spent many years in this chapter right here every day. Romans chapter 8. And uh, we're going to look at verse 28 here. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. All right, so I was in the King James for a minute, which was Paul's preferred version. I'm going to go to Jesus' preferred version right here, the New Living Translation. Amen. Romans chapter 8. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm <laughs> Me and Dad are hazing each other. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, and we're going to look at verse 28. And and I this is a good one. My gosh, this is a good verse. Woo! This is a good verse right here. Man, if this doesn't light your fire, your wood's all wet, right? Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. We know... That God causes everything, every last thing to work together for the good of those who love God. Do you love God? All right. And are called according to his purpose for them. Are you called according to his purpose for you? Yes, you are. And so I'm telling you right now that God will cause everything to work together for your good. And sometimes it may not seem like it at the moment. Well, I don't know what's going on here. Well, just hang in there and don't quit and watch what God can do with that mess. Maybe, maybe the mess you're in, God didn't, we know that God didn't send the mess. And sometimes we brought the mess upon ourselves. But listen to me. God has a way of getting you out of the mess, even if you're the one that made the mess. Right? That's good news right there. Because sometimes there's pain in our life and it comes straight from the devil. It's a demonic attack. Sometimes it's some other thing. And then sometimes it's absolutely we brought pain and, and bad things upon ourselves. Thank God that he didn't put a little asterisk in there. This offer excludes the pain that you've brought upon yourself. Oh, you will always triumph in Christ Jesus. And then there's an end note there. Unless you did something really stupid and and you deserve what you got. No, it says always triumph in Christ Jesus. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. That's really good news for people like me tonight. And that's good news for you. Amen. And so let's look at verse 37 here. Romans 8 verse 37. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Amen. If God is for us, who could ever be against us? 
And we may have things that come up against us, and we do. We may have situations, we may have people that come up against us, and we surely have a devil that's coming up against us. But listen to me right now, it says, despite all these things, and that's a few verses later, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus. That's verse 37. But God is on our side. God is on our side. Now, wouldn't that be scary if you were fighting your situation and God wasn't on your side? Come on, think about that. Think about it. If, if you really were all alone in this life, and I know some people, well, man, I'm all, nobody's here for me. That's sad. I feel for you. But I've never been able to say that. I've, you know, there may have been times where people weren't with me, but there's never been one time where I could say nobody's with me because God has been there every step of the way. He said, I'd never leave you or forsake you. He said, lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. And I don't know about you. He's kept his promise to me. He's, he's never gone back on his word to me. He has never left me. He's not even, even at times where I probably deserved it. He never left me. He just stuck with me and, and, and praise God that he's with us. And so this verse 37 here, I got ahead of myself, but verse 37, it says this. It tells us that, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ, who loved us. Overwhelming victory. Now, I like a good overwhelming victory. I like, I like a big one. And, you know, sometimes if you're uh, watching the sport from the sidelines, a nice nail-biter, down-to-the-wire game, that's fun. But, I mean, I've played sports, and I've been on the basketball court and it's really fun to annihilate the opponent and leave no question in anybody's mind who the better team was. You win by one point and, you know, quadruple overtime. And, and it's like, well, that's a close game, but that could have gone either way. I like to leave no doubt about it. Listen to me. We stomped these guys into the ground, and there's no doubt about it who the better team was. This was an overwhelming victory. And the King James here says that uh, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And And listen. If you study history, those people that are conquerors, they're pretty successful guys. They, they, you know what they do? They conquer. They go out, and that's why they get to be called a conqueror. They go out, and they conquer different things. And I would just love to be able to be written in the history books as, this guy was a conqueror. But guess what? I've already read the end of the book. Spoiler alert. I'm not a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. And so I'm telling you right now... You're more than a conqueror, and overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus, but you can't quit. Now, we got a lot of you guys in the, that are in the military in here and here and such, and you know a lot more about battle and war than I do, but I do know this little tidbit. You don't win any battles that you quit. No war, you don't win a war by quitting when it gets difficult. And, and sometimes it takes a while. Sometimes there's many battles within the war. And, and I know that much. And I, and I realize, and I know for certain that you cannot win a war that you quit in. And that's the problem. So many people, they quit in the middle of one of the battles. They quit before the war is over. And then they look back and they blame God and they say, well, it says this, but it didn't happen for me. I don't know what happened. None of these promises are guaranteed to quitters. The Bible makes no promises to quitters. But it does make promises to those who will absolutely abide under the shadow of the Almighty. For those that can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I've got everything that I need because I'm sticking with God. 
You can't quit. And I've heard this phrase, and I love this. You're not a failure until you fail to get back up. Every champion's been knocked down a time or two. Everybody that's done something in life has been thumped and, and hit the ground a time or two. But listen to me. That doesn't make you a failure. You're only a failure when you fail to get back up. When you, when you just call it quits, yes, you're a failure. When you absolutely decide, I'm not going on anymore. I'm, 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 I'm no, I'm done. I, I quit. Then yes. You can be a, you can be a failure at that point. But if you keep getting back up, praise God, you are not a failure. The book of Proverbs says that the righteous man can get knocked down seven times, but he keeps getting back up. The wicked man gets knocked down once and he's out for the count. It's over with. It just takes one hit for the wicked. But guess what? I'm not the wicked. I'm the righteous. You're the righteous. And it says the righteous man, he can take a, uh, what's it say? Take a licking, but keep on ticking. He can get knocked down, but get right back up every single time. You are not a failure and you are going to win if you won't quit. You know, I think about Milton Hershey. Do you guys ever think about him? Milton Hershey. Let's talk about this. Okay. So Milton Hershey, uh, he was the guy that, that, uh, the, the Hershey chocolate company. Come on. You know, you guys like that stuff. There we go. All right. Now I've piqued your interest. Some of you that were asleep, have, you've arisen. You had your resurrection moment. We're going to talk for a minute. So he, he, he obviously, man, he's the master of chocolate. Everybody knows that. He, he's the man in the chocolate industry, but it was not an easy path to victory for him. Uh, he dropped out of school in fourth grade. Yes, I know. I have a fourth grader, and I cannot imagine this. And uh, he took an apprenticeship with a printer only to be fired from his first job. He then became an apprentice to a candy maker in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. After studying the the candy business for four years, Hershey started three unsuccessful candy companies in Philadelphia, Chicago, and New York. He tried and he failed. Tried and he failed. Tried and he failed again. And uh, he wasn't going to give up, though. Everyone's like, man, candy is obviously not your thing. You need to just find something else. He's like, no. Candy is my thing, and I'm going to make this happen. And so, and so he didn't give up. He moved back to his hometown, back to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and began the Lancaster Caramel Company. And his unique caramel recipe, uh, which he had come across during his travels, that was a huge success for the first time. For the first time in his life, he did something successfully. And uh, and Hershey, uh, who was always looking ahead, he he knew that the caramel thing was going good, but he believed that chocolate was the candy of the future. And I'm really glad that he believed this. And so uh, he sold his successful caramel business in the year 1900 for $1 million. That'd be more like $30 million in 2019. He sold it all and began the Hershey Chocolate Company. And we have what we have today. And now, of course, that, that $1 million sale has turned into billions and billions and billions of dollars. And he's the top chocolate man of all time. Can we give a shout out to Milton? Come on, somebody. Yes. And, uh, and what he did is he brought milk chocolate, which was previously a Swiss delicacy, to the common man, like us. But we're not common. We're, we're more than conquerors. Anyway, and so I also, I think, of, I think of Honest Abe. You ever think about Abraham Lincoln, other than when you pull a five out of your wallet? I do. I think about Abraham Lincoln. And, uh, and, and maybe you've heard some of, the, some of his story a little bit, but I'm going to tell you some of his failures and successes, because, I mean, 
a lot of Americans will agree that he was, the, the, you know, a lot of people, if they say he was the greatest president, they'll say Abraham Lincoln. And they, they, they've got a good argument there for that. But his road to success was paved with many, many failures also. But he refused to quit. And so in 1831, he lost his job and got fired. In 1832, uh, he decided to run for the state legislator, and, and he lost his first election. 1833, he started a business and went bankrupt, and it failed. Eight, this is all, I mean, success, year after year. 1834, he was elected to the Illinois state legislator, but in 1835, something bad happened. His fiance died. And if you know his history about Abe Lincoln, that was actually, that took a toll on him. But anyway, uh, he had a nervous breakdown in 1838. Uh, he was defeated uh, in his run for the Illinois House Speaker in 1843. And then he was defeated again uh, in a nomination for Congress in 1846. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of defeats. He was elected to Congress in 1848, but then ran again the next year and lost. So he didn't get to stay for too long. Uh, he was rejected for land officer in 1854, and he was defeated in his run for the U.S. Senate in 1856, defeated for uh, in run for the nomination for vice president in 1858, defeated for a run in the U.S. Senate in 1860, and finally he was elected president after that. And so, defeat, defeat, little success. Defeat, defeat, defeat. And, and out of all of this, don't you think somebody could look at him and say, Abraham, Abe, let me just shoot straight with you, bro. Politics aren't your thing. You lose everything you touch. You're, you're, I mean, basically, you're a loser. You, your business, everything you do just falls apart. You need to go find something else to do with your life, Abe. This is not for you. And, 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 and how many people would maybe look at your life and say, it's not your thing. It's just not for you. I, 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 you're not a winner. I, I come on. And, and how many people would look, would look at you and, and, and you would say, no, I am called to the candy industry. I am going to be a great politician. I am a leader. I am going to be this. I am going to be something. Whatever the case is, no matter what comes your way, there may be bumps in the road. There may be times you fall down a little. There may be a few defeats here and there. But listen to me. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And so maybe you don't know what happens at the end, but. Number one, I'm telling you, I read to the end and we win. That's that's one thing. And the second thing is, well, what's going to happen to all this stuff? Well, I'm telling you right now, Jesus comes back and rescues us all. I read it. I, it's, I read that. It's in there. And, and I encourage you to read it, too. Matthew 24. Let's look at this. Matthew 24. Who likes a good success story? All right. Matthew 24. And we're going to look here um, at verses 30 through 31. Matthew 24, verses 30 through 31. So, man, I, I'm telling you, this is, this is for you tonight. You're wondering, well, was this one for me? Yes, this was for you. Jesus wrote these scriptures with you in mind. Matthew 24, and, and Matthew 24 is a powerful portion of scripture. We've actually looked at it a lot in services lately. Uh, Matthew 24, but uh, it's known as the Olivet Discourse because Jesus 
uh, is on the Mount of Olives with his disciples, and he gives them a very, very descriptive picture of the end times. And it's a great chapter to, to read through, and and I mean, it, it it'll get get the wheels turning upstairs for you. You'll 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 look at a lot of stuff, but I want to show you something right here, Matthew 24. Verses 30 through 31. And so he's telling them about all this stuff that's going to happen, all these signs. And then verse 30 says, And then at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. I'm telling you now, I'm looking forward to that day. I would be fine if that happens tomorrow. I'd be great if that happened right now. I can't wait. There, there is nothing in this world that it means more to me than going to heaven. There is nothing in this world. You know, when I was younger and I talked to teenagers still, and well, I, I want to be able to grow up and get married and have all this stuff happen. And that's fine, but I'm telling you, I'm ready for that trumpet. I'm ready to get out of Dodge and leave this behind, man. And I don't feel bad about saying that. I want out of here. I want to go to heaven. And so it says right here, they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet. And they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Well, guess what? I'm one of the chosen ones and you're one of the chosen ones. And this is really going to happen. It's going to happen. The rapture is going to happen. And I've heard a lot of, you know, people in our modern times say, man, please, rapture is not going to happen. The word rapture is not even in the Bible. Well, the word Bible is not in the Bible either. But I still believe that it exists. Come on. And I mean, I, I, and I've seen even so many, well, you know, it's just not going to happen. And why would you say that when the Bible clearly paints the picture of the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great glory and the mighty blast of a trumpet and then gathering the chosen ones from all over the earth? I This one young guy I know that wants to be a pastor, he, he, man, he posted this stupid article online about the rapture is never going to happen. The left behind thing is never going to happen because the rapture is not going to happen. And he got the article from the Huffington Post. I'm like, dear God, if you want to be a pastor and your source of theology is the Huffington Post, you better find a new career choice. You need to look at what I don't care what the Huffington Post says or the New York Times or Time magazine or Yahoo or whoever else. If the Bible says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. This is going to happen literally one day. I don't know when, but one day you will see the Son of Man appear on the clouds with great glory. You will hear a trumpet and he will gather his chosen ones from every end of the earth. And I am going up in that and I'll wave by, but I'm not stopping. I'm going and I want out of here, man. It is going to happen. It's going to happen. Now, uh, in, in 2 Timothy 3 we're told that in the last days, difficult times will come. Now, Jesus prophesied this in Matthew 24. You read all that. Second Timothy 3, Paul gives a very good description of the end times. I'm not turning there right now, but mark it. Second Timothy chapter 3. And he told us that it, he says, Timothy, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, unthankful to parents. Unholy. And, and he gives all this. And, and, and Paul goes into all this. And I'm like, man, 
Paul hit 2019 right on the head, man. He, he called it. He saw it way before we were ever here. He saw what was going to happen. And it tells us that absolutely there will be difficult times. And so people obviously ask the question often, well, are you scared of what's going on in the world right now? It said that perilous times will come. And absolutely, I am 100% not scared for my safety, for my family. Why? Because according to Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now, I'm not afraid for me. I'm afraid for some people because I've got loved ones that are crazy. I've got people that I love that are fools and they don't believe in God and they don't serve God and they only darken the door of his house whenever they occasionally feel like it or they need a quick hit from God. But listen to me, I'm terrified for them because they have no promise. The promises are for those who abide under the shadow of the Almighty and abide means to live there. You live there. That's where you're at. You live under the shadow of God. You can't be under somebody's shadow if you're a hundred miles away from them. You gotta be right there to be under their shadow. And so, for me and my house that serve the Lord, listen, no doubt, I'm not afraid of these things that are, that, that are happening in the world. Well, I wonder if the plague's gonna get us. I wonder if the pestilence. I wonder if, no, not afraid of it. Not afraid. But I'm telling you right now, there are people that should be very afraid if they aren't really abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. There is power for those that will stick close to the name of Jesus. And I'm telling you, amen. I've read to the end of the book. We win and Jesus comes back and rescues us all from all of this mess before the really bad stuff starts happening. And I, I you know, I, I read this story about a missionary uh, that that knew the power of God and and got to see it demonstrated. Uh, John Patton was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands. And one night, a lot of the hostile natives, they were cannibals. They surrounded his house where him and his wife were at and his family. And they were intent on. Getting the, they were going to burn the house down and kill them and most likely eat them. And so it was a really bad situation. And, uh, and of course, the missionary and his wife, they prayed and they took authority over it. And, and they made it through the night. And the next morning they wake up and everybody's gone. Well, several months later, he leads the chief of the tribe to Jesus. The people are trying to kill him. Amen. And, and, and of course, that's a long process. But, but eventually one day he's like, do you remember that one night when you all were out there trying to burn us out? You know, why'd you quit? I'm just curious. He's like, well, you guys sent your, all your security force out there and we couldn't take it. So we got scared and left. He's like, what are you talking about? There was nobody there. It was me and my family. He said, oh, no, no, no. You don't pull that on me. No. Uh, uh, army of men, big men, big men in glowing armor and swords. They came out of that of your house. And we got, we got scared and left. Don't, uh, don't pull, don't pull that card. We, they were there. We saw them. And he, no, no, really. There is nobody there but us. Well, obviously, the angels of God came out and protected them that night. Amen. And so, am I afraid of what's, I'm not afraid. I'm afraid. No. Absolutely not. Because though a thousand fall at my left hand and ten thousand fall at my right, these things will not come nigh me. The angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Psalm 34. The angel of the Lord surrounds us, but we got to abide in him. 
And so, well, what's going to happen in my life? I'm telling you right now, I'm spoiling the whole thing for you. You're going to win if you don't quit. Jesus is going to come back and pull you out of this whole mess at some point. And so let me show you Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3. We'll read this in the Living Bible. Doing a variety tonight. (laughs) Uh, Philippians chapter 3. Man, this is exciting. This is good stuff. Philippians chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 20 through 21. So if you've been going through it right now, the storm, the trial, the valley, whatever cute little thing you want to call your situation, listen to me. You're going to win. Get, get over it. Get out of it. Get out of that valley. Get out of there. Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. And this is key to the Christian life. Philippians 3, 20 through 21. And again, I'm reading this in the Living Bible. Paul says, but our homeland is in heaven where our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is. And we are looking forward to his return from there. I'm looking forward to his return from the homeland. Come on, get down here, Jesus. Let's do this. Verse 21, when he comes back, he will take these dying bodies of ours and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same mighty power that he will use to conquer all else everywhere. But notice what it says there in that first verse 20. It says, our homeland is in heaven where our savior the lord jesus christ is and so whatever goes on here in this world that's fine i'm a foreigner i'm an out-of-towner i'm just passing through not going to be here forever it's temporary i'm passing through my real homeland is in heaven that's the home for me and for you listen everything in this world no matter what we're going through and sometimes people don't understand you because you're a foreigner you don't belong here. You're not of this world. You're in it, but you're not of it. You know, when I've got to travel to other countries, spend some time in Russia, they didn't understand me. I surely didn't understand them because I appreciate deodorant and they don't. But at the same time, uh, but, but, but I'm telling you, I, there was a, there was a breakdown there, man. And, and, and I was there temporarily, but I didn't belong there. And it was obvious. And they didn't understand me. And I'm telling you, in this world, there may be a breakdown in communication. They don't understand why you won't go do that anymore. They don't understand why you don't want to be like you used to be. They don't understand why you're not like them. And I'm telling you, the best thing to say is, I don't belong here. I'm I'm here temporarily. I'm a foreigner. My real home is in heaven. I'm just visiting right now, but I'm going back someday. The sooner the better. But I'm going back someday, and I'm telling you right now, you're not going to understand me, so quit trying. The only way you'll understand me is to get citizenship where I have citizenship, and that's in heaven. Amen? And anybody can have that. And so the last thing I'm going to say is this. Actually, you know what? Let's look at Colossians 3. One more. One more. Come on. Let's do it. Let's do it. Colossians 3. You, this is important. Because no matter what I'm going through in this life, I always know that it's only temporary. The worst situation that you face is temporary at best. The the worst, the very worst thing, it's all temporary. And and, and I have learned, even recently, I've learned to weigh everything against eternity. Everything. Because any problem that you face, when you really weigh it against eternity, it's minuscule. The, it's nothing, anything compared to eternity. 
well, I, this happened to me, and I, and I lost this, and, 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 and no one's making light of that. But what I'm saying is, if you'll really look at it through the lens of eternity, you'll realize that, my gosh, the, everything here is so temporary. If you're a, a rare person, you'll live to 100 years old. Two seconds in God's eyes. That's nothing. 100 years old. We look at someone that's, you know, man, that is old. To God, that's nothing at all. Absolutely nothing. And so I'm telling you, you need to get an eternity perspective on everything. Money won't matter as much. Pain won't matter as much. Everything, politics won't matter as much. Everything that you just surround your life and engulf yourself in, if you look at things through the eyes of eternity, it'll change your perspective on literally every situation that you face. But Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3, Living Bible again, it says, Since you became alive again, so to speak, when Christ rose from the dead, now set your sights on the rich treasures and joys of heaven, where he sits beside God in the place of honor and power. And so it tells us right here, to set your sights on the rich treasures and joys of heaven. So many Christians, Christians, are setting their sights on the treasures of this world. Like, man. And, it, and the Bible tells you to set your sights on the treasures of heaven. And there's nice things down here. I'm not against that. But the nicest car down here is nothing compared to the treasures and riches of heaven. The nicest house, the biggest paycheck is nothing compared to heaven. I love this. And, 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 and verse three, verse two says, let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't spend your time worrying about things down here. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and God. I love that right there. Man, it, you, it, let heaven fill your thoughts. Let, don't spend your time worrying about things down here. You should have as little desire for this world as a dead person does. Your real life is in heaven with Christ and with God. And, and, and we get so wrapped up. So wrapped up in the things of this world, the, the worries, the cares, the anxieties, sometimes the pleasures, sometimes the joys, sometimes the treasures. But I'm telling you, whatever it is, that really should not be what consumes your thoughts. Because I have found, and I know, that most Christians don't spend that much time thinking about heaven. They really, really don't. And, and we get caught up. We, and, and, and we get caught up in these things and, and, and maybe good things and fine things. But really the scripture tells us heaven ought to fill your thoughts. You better be thinking about heaven. And I'm telling you, I don't do everything right, but I think about heaven a lot because I super bad want to go there and I'm going to go there, but I think about heaven all the time. You may catch me daydreaming. What are you thinking about? You know, ask Katie. Heaven. <laughs> thinking about heaven, man. Thinking about how awesome it's going to be. Compared to this place, I love heaven. I love to think about heaven. It's going to be awesome. And, and, and scripturally, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, in fact, scripturally, you're supposed to let heaven fill your thoughts. You should have as much desire for this world as a dead person does. This, there's nice things here, but really, it's not for me. I don't really care that much. I want heaven. And I'm telling you right now that I've read the end. I'm going there. Jesus is going to come, pull me out of this earth, and take me there. I'm going to go live in my mansion by the river of life, 
by the, by the, by the tree of life. And I'm going to live there every day for the rest of eternity. And do you think I'm going to look back at this world? Man, this is nice up here in heaven, but I sure do miss Del Taco. I sure do miss a good White Castle. I sure do miss. No, never, never, never. Well, I know I'm going to miss anything about this world. You kidding me? Nothing. And neither are you, because when you get up there, nothing else is going to matter. I won't care about sports. I won't care about politics. I won't care about food. I won't care about nothing except I'm, I'm with Jesus, man, every day. And this isn't going to end. It's going to be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And it's never going to end. And so why would I spend my time in this world chasing down money and chasing down Man, are you kidding me? Forget it. You know what? Those things are nice. But really, I'm chasing down heaven. And I'm chasing down people to take to heaven with me. Amen? Because I don't want to go alone. And so, let's look at the, the very last thing here. Very last thing. Because I have read the end of the book. And the very last thing I'm going to say is this. Is that we do get to live in heaven forever. If we accept Jesus as Savior. I don't promise heaven to everybody. Because not everybody's going there. In fact, Jesus said more are not going there than are going there. He said, <laughs> he said the way to destruction is broad. He said it's a, you know, it, there's a highway to hell. And getting to heaven says that that road's even more narrow. And it says few there be that find that path. And I found that path. You people have found that path. We need to get other people to find that path. But I'm not going to sit here and say, well, everybody's going to heaven. Not everybody's going to heaven. Only those that accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior go to heaven. 2 Corinthians 4.18. I'll try to hurry up here. I don't want to ramble on and on. 2 Corinthians 4.18. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 4.18. Who's ex- man, who's excited that, that you've got to see some of the end of the book tonight? And, and no matter what it is you're facing, man, please. Relationship trouble. Family trouble, yeah, we'll, we'll fix it, we'll fix it, but it's temporary. Temporary, temporary at best. It's nothing, absolutely nothing. And, I, you know, that may sound like we're making light of stuff, but seriously, it's nothing. You know, I, Andrew Womack, is a, I listen to him a lot, and he told this story. He, he goes, one of his supporters is a business owner, and every year this guy has him come in, and uh and do a little seminar for his employees and they get to you know it's you know not all of them are christian but they they can if they want to get a bonus time they can just come and hear him preach and they get paid for it so it's a pretty good deal and so one day he comes in and uh, to this business and the secretary's up, up there at the front and he's like oh i didn't see you in the in the seminar where where were you she's like well i had to stay and answer the phones but will you pray for me and and he's like, yeah, I'll pray for you. And she she breaks down weeping and she says, I'm on my fourth marriage and he's getting ready to leave me, too. And she starts she says, last night I tried to kill myself and, and all this stuff going on. And he's like, oh, my gosh. OK, well, we're going to pray. But first of all, do you have Jesus in your heart? And she's like, no. And he's like, OK, you realize that without Jesus, you don't go to heaven. She's like, oh, yeah, I know. I've, I've, I've heard this all before. And I, I see the hope that all of you Christians have. And I just want you to pray for my marriage. And he's like, okay, but li- listen to me. By your own admission, you're going to die and go to hell. And you want me to pray for your marriage. Do you see the kind of the, the crazy? You by, you, by your own admission, if you die, you're going to hell. 
and you're not concerned about, you don't want me to pray for your salvation. You want me to pray for your marriage right now, your, your fourth one. And she's like, that is kind of silly, isn't it, when you look at it through that light? And so he led her to the Lord, and she gave her life to Jesus. And, and I don't know whatever happened with, with her marriage or whatnot, but so many people, they're, listen, if you don't have this right, forget everything else, man. You're going to hell. Forget about your marriage. You need to get to heaven right now. And that may sound bad, but I'm being serious. You need to get first things first. And you, you've got to realize how important heaven is. And so 2 Corinthians 4.18, did I read that? I'm going to read it now. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. How do you fix your gaze on something that can't be seen? That's the biggest oxymoron I've ever heard. Stare and you fix your gaze on what are you staring at? Something I can't see. What? Weirdo? No, man, this is not weird. It's what the Bible said to do. It said it told me to fix my gaze. It told me to stare at things I can't even see. And so well, we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone. Thank you, Jesus. The things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. They're going to last forever. The things we cannot see will last forever. And so I'm just going to break it down to this tonight. Are the things you're focusing on really as big a thing as you're making them? I mean, look, we've read the end of the book here. Well, spoiler alert, you're going to win if you don't quit. Jesus is going to come back and get you. You're going to go to heaven. That's going to be your home forever if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior. But the things that we're gazing at, the things that are consuming our thoughts and our mind and our vision, is it really better than staring at heaven, thinking about heaven? Is it really comparable on the scale to what heaven is? And the answer is flat out no. Absolutely not. There's no way. Even if it's a problem, that's been consuming you, if it's, you know, a, a greed that for more money, whatever that's been consumed, whatever it is, it's not even comparable to the weight of heaven. And so my challenge to you tonight is this. Everything in life, every good thing, every bad thing, everything, weigh it compared to eternity. Does it deserve as much weight as you're giving it? Does it deserve as much thought and time as you're giving it? Or does heaven, does the word of God, does Jesus deserve some of that time? And I'm just challenging you with that tonight, that praise God. These things are temporary. I've read to the end. I've read every, I've read every word in here, and a lot of you have too. And I can guarantee a victory to those that will not quit and those that will fight in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.